0: Welcome to the CODcast, I'm Shira Schoenberg. It's been a year since the first marijuana delivery companies started operating in Massachusetts. How's it going? Not so well, according to some industry insiders, who are pushing the Cannabis Control Commission to loosen regulations in order to make marijuana delivery a more financially viable business. Here with me today are Christopher Fevri, CEO and co-founder of Your Green Package, which was one of the first licensed marijuana couriers in Massachusetts and Julia Germain operating partner at kind run a delivery operator business. Thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast. So let's start by explaining that there are two different business models for marijuana delivery companies. Currently there's eight marijuana courier companies that have licenses to operate in Massachusetts, three delivery operator companies. So Chris, you run a marijuana courier business, which means you're you're basically like Uber Eats but for cannabis. Someone orders from a retailer, you pick up the order, deliver it to the customer. And when I had you on this podcast back in November of 2020, you actually argued that the courier model wasn't financially viable. So how's it going so far? Can the model work?
1: Yeah, so you know we got into the courier model uh, because we we thought there was a way to actually make it work. Um, and, you know, after a year of operating and about 40,000 deliveries under our belt, uh, we find that with the two driver rule, um, it is, it's literally impossible. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's where we are today. And that's where, we're, that's where we're here on the podcast to talk about.
0: And Julia, Kind Run is a delivery operator, which means you're allowed to buy cannabis wholesale, warehouse it, and then sell it to customers. So initially, um, industry operators, including people like Chris, had argued that this would be a more profitable model. Is it working for you?
2: The model is working. We're fortunate to exist in a wholesale market that allows us to capture strong margins on the products we do sell. Kindrun does also have to provide two drivers. We have a lot of overhead with our warehouse and our fleet. The model is working um it is a it is a huge challenge from logistics and navigating around the regulations i do believe the burden of that overhead board burden could be reduced um, but we we can we are seeing this as a viable model
0: and we'll obviously get to the two driver rule but chris before we get there obviously it sounds like you both have struggled with this issue but you've told me that You've you've been a longtime organizer in the delivery industry. You told me you've heard from other businesses that they're laying people off or closing their doors. How big a problem is this? What are you hearing from your colleagues?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've heard very similar things, laying people off. I mean, we've personally shut down locations um, in the Western Mass and the Worcester area due to lack of delivery demand. Um, And, you know, we've seen some of our, our retail partners even struggle. Uh, where, you know, the delivery operator, the big advantage for the delivery operator is that they make margins off the product, uh, which re- currently Massachusetts, I think is ranked like 15th or six, you know, as one of the highest prices, uh, in, in the U S. Uh, whereas the couriers, uh, we don't, we make money off the delivery fee. Um, so if there's a hundred dollar order, the retailer might make like 50% on that, but then there's a delivery fee that needs to then be paid. Uh, which then you know there's the pie is being split in too many directions, and with a second driver, uh, it it does just make it financially impossible to operate and, and scale that business. And so um so we we've we've experienced a lot of those things like layoffs and shutdowns, um, and also with increased gas prices that did not help the situation. Uh, but you know other operators that you know other couriers have also experienced very similar things where a lot of them have not been able to grow. Grow beyond you know six seven cars, or or some of them have even struggled to even start um, due to the financial cost of of the courier model.
0: And you mentioned you had to shut down two locations. How many locations do you have?
1: Uh, so we partnered with multiple retail locations, and so we had retail locations in Western Mass and one um, in the Worcester area. Uh, that we were, we tried out for about a year, um, but they. Saw very little orders on a daily basis. I mean, in in the, in the single digits, even even after um, extensive marketing campaigns and things like that. Um, which, if you know, if you're not doing too many orders, then the location, you know, you, the delivery is definitely not viable um, at that point in time. And so uh, it was it was a mutual decision that you know that both the retail and ourselves had to come to. Where we said, hey, this is just not working. Um, and that was pretty much it. And then we had a you know layoff staff members and and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah.
0: Does that suggest that the interest just isn't there among customers in getting marijuana delivered?
1: No, not at all. There, there is interest, uh, especially in the Boston area. I mean, like I mentioned, we've done you know forty thousand deliveries uh, to date, and so there is a strong interest. However, the customer one you know the customer in Western Mass and Worcester, there's more there's more dispensaries available, so you know you can there's essentially like five minutes, 10 minutes away from most people. And so there's no need for delivery. Also, you know, the customer, most customers in those areas have cars. And so for them, you know, they can easily drive versus having to pay delivery, you know, having to pay a delivery fee and so on and so forth. And because of the two driver rule, you know, the order minimums have to be extremely high. You're talking a hundred dollars plus order minimum. And so some customers, you know, the average adult use basket size right now is around $50. So for some customers, for a lot of customers, actually, it doesn't make sense for an order delivery when they could just go right to a dispensary and get it and versus having to pay double of what they would normally be comfortable paying just to get an order delivered.
0: And Julia, where is Kind Run located? Have you had some of these same issues?
2: Not so much. So Kind Run has a very different business model. We're headquartered in Hudson and we serve Worcester to Boston. Uh, all of the allowed towns, sort of therein, about total about 23 separate municipalities, including all of Boston. We don't charge a delivery fee. Uh, our minimum order ranges from 50 to 100 dollars, depending on the geographic area. But we can play with these fees and be more um, appealing to the consumer compared to a courier because we're making margins on our on products that we sell. Um, I, I 100% believe that awareness is very low. Uh, most people are not aware that you can have adult use cannabis delivered to your residents. Um, there's the cohort of you know consumers now who shop at dispensaries uh, and Chris and other couriers have uh, access to those clients through a dispensary, but they're looking to change that client behavior from being an in-store shopper to a delivery client. Uh, KINDRUN as a delivery operator, we market to not just people who are already buying legal cannabis, but people for whom specifically cannabis delivery with its discretion, convenience, no need to have a vehicle, your own public transport, it just appeals to a different demographic. So we are discovering, defining, and marketing towards that demographic, but it is, you know, it's world building here. It's it's um, raising awareness that this service is even available um, and then getting people through the experience of e-commerce for cannabis.
0: And the problem, the rule that you both would, uh, you both have pointed to and would like to change is a rule that says any cannabis delivery driver must have um, two, two, there must be two drivers in any vehicle at all times. So if you're going to deliver marijuana, you need two drivers in that car or two people in that car. And the idea is for safety. Um, The driver is better protected if someone tries to attack the vehicle, if they have a passenger in the car. It also uh, prevents employee theft by the driver, again, by having two pairs of eyes there at all times. So Chris, why do you want to change this role?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been, you know, over a year for adult use delivery. And, you know, I want to say three years for medical delivery. I mean, there's been a total of a hundred thousand adult use deliveries and two hundred thousand plus medical deliveries with zero to no incidents. Actually, it's more likely for a cannabis delivery driver to get into a car accident than to actually, you know, than for than for a vehicle to get robbed. Um, and if you look at more advanced, and not more advanced states, but more, you know, other licensed um, and, and open states uh, in the U.S., you know, Massachusetts is out of, I think it was 16 legal states, out of Massachusetts is two states, is, is out of, you know, out of all those states, Massachusetts is uh, one out of two that requires two drivers in a vehicle. Um, there's, it's not proven that a second driver actually does anything at all. Um, because at, at when, if a robber or something like that does happen, they are going to give up everything. Um, no one, you know, no one is trained to, you know, fight a gunman, no one, no one is carrying firearms. You know, if, if someone comes and also you have to be very determined to rob a vehicle. I mean, because the vehicles are currently unmarked. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's it's an unnecessary regulation that actually, you know, the, when they put out the license, they said that, you know, it's a low cost entry. The license is going to be successful. And the point was to for, you know, applicants or social, you know social equity applicants to create generational wealth. However, this second driver creates a huge barrier to entry. Um, because it, it increases costs all across the board. Um, obviously your payroll costs are double, your workers' comp is double. Um, some insurance companies actually, when you have a certain driver to vehicle ratio, um, they actually I mean, we actually experienced where our insurance policy, when we when we had a certain number of drivers on our team, all of a sudden our policy then jumped up because our driver to vehicle ratio was was too was too much um in the eyes of the insurance company. And um, we're talking that was a, about a $20,000 jump at that time to about a $115,000 policy. So, you know, the the second driver is really not needed. Um, and we're advocating for it just out of out simple necessity if, if the license is to survive. Um, like we've already explained, there's layoffs occurring, sh- locations are shutting down. And when the commission has to review the, the social equity period to say, you know, oh, well, you know, do we extend it, you know, they're not, they're not gonna have many success stories. Um, and the delivery operator is, is, is definitely a much more advantageous position to be in because uh, they can make margin off product. But even even then, um, and Julie can attest this, there's a lot of challenges with having a second driver, um, especially in a situation of staffing, like call outs. Like if someone calls out, you, you can't operate that vehicle that day. And so you automatically lose that revenue. Um, and so, you know, ultimately why, why we're looking for this change is, you know, the commission has a mission uh, to support, you know, people from disproportionately impacted communities, to to help, you know, allow for participation from those communities into the industry, and the delivery license was set aside to allow, you know, people a way in. However, it's, it's almost like they've let people in and, you know, say, oh, gotcha. Um, here's a catch: twenty-two. We're going to put a, a new barrier to entry within the license that is going to prevent growth and pre- prevent success. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, these are the reasons why, you know, we're, we're advocating for this change. And, you know, with all the deliveries that have occurred, with, with basically zero incidents that have occurred, there's no reason why we still have this 2 driver rule today. And on top of that, I, I, I do want to mention there's already, Massachusetts has one of the strictest delivery regulations in the U.S. Uh, there's already a dispatcher that, that has to talk with the driver every 30 minutes to make sure they're okay. There's body cameras that the drivers wear. there's cameras inside the vehicle outside that that, that, there's cameras that point on the product on the drivers and also outside the vehicle. On top of that, the customer has to upload their ID and a picture of themselves before they can even order. And then it has to be approved. And then at that point that they they can order delivery. So there's already so many security provisions in place that the second driver is just, uh, is just unnecessary. And we've, you know, we've been doing it for a year, 40,000. I mean, like like Julia mentioned, some people don't even know about delivery. I mean, a delivery, a delivery vehicle can be passing by your house right now and you wouldn't even know it.
0: Out of curiosity, what is the other state that requires two drivers? Florida. How many states have legal delivery?
1: I want to say 17. I, I can send you the petition. Um, it, it lists out every single state.
0: And Julia, what about you? What's your experience been with the second driver? Is it a problem for your business as well?
2: The second driver is an added layer of complexity that certainly we don't need or you know, would could certainly uh, streamline logistics, staffing, overhead costs. We have certain instances uh, where I would want a second driver in case we can't park if we're at a multi-tenant building in Boston, but that's a business decision. That's us saying we don't want to leave a vehicle parked unattended with additional product in it. Uh, But in most cases, a second driver is not necessary. And I will just reiterate that data does not exist from the insurers, from public safety to suggest that last mile cannabis delivery vehicles are a target for robbery. Um, You know, we've been talking to insurers who work in the California market and elsewhere where there's a high volume of orders, I believe. Uh, from that recent conversation, Chris, that you were on, also um, those agents were saying the most likely was like wholesale B 2 B transport vehicles at like doing warehouse deliveries at night. You know, big trucks carrying a lot of cannabis product that are a little bit more easily tracked versus a totally randomized. Uh, you know, in our case, Honda Pilot, unmarked, doing resident cannabis delivery. So you know, it is. Um, it we haven't found it necessary um I've spoken with my team about you know their comfort level and you know in in most cases they wouldn't feel their risk increased in that scenario um and I think Chris makes a great point about what is that second driver doing in an emergency situation that simply doesn't increase the risk of the whole scenario Uh, so having a second person present for a robbery is worse than having one person who's just going to hand over the product individually. Um, This idea, I take serious umbrage with the idea that two vehicles is a necessary safeguard against internal diversion. I get, this is just the disconnect between policy and business operations. Um, Having two people in a vehicle does not mean if one of them wanted to steal product they couldn't or they couldn't both it's kind of a i find that to be kind of a red herring argument considering how much security and tracking from seed to yeah. sale chain of there already is so you know we can and i've encountered this in cannabis regulated industries before a deep mistrust in the employee the agent uh and it has not borne out In my close to 10 years in the industry, yes, I've had employees in a production facility nip some product uh, or in retail, but we always catch them and they get fired. And that is, you know, an immediately fireable offense and we have eyeballs all over it. So adding a second person to that mix isn't really, it's solving a problem that is not super prevalent um, and doesn't necessarily need solving and it's not the right solve anyway.
0: Chris, you mentioned a petition. Tell me more about this petition. What are you asking for, and how many people are supporting you?
1: Yeah, so we launched a petition. Uh, Julia, was it two weeks ago? One week, two weeks ago, right? Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, you know, within forty-eight hours, we had four hundred plus signatures. Um, you know, the people that are part of leading the petition. You know, myself, Julia, Devin, Alexander. Um, Amanda Rust- uh, Rustiano, I hope I didn't mess up her last name. Uh, Kim Na- Kim Nathalie, uh, Hel- Helen Helen Gomez. So you know, and, ma- and many other industry uh, advocates and stakeholders. Um, and really, what's being asked is one that immediately the rule around the two drivers is not made a requirement; it's made optional. Um, you know, if someone wants to have two drivers in a vehicle; that is totally up to them. But that should be a business decision. Um, and so we want to make that optional or, or remove completely. Uh, two, we would want to see the, the ability to deliver to no towns. So currently, if you, you know, for example, I, I live uh, in the South Shore area um, and my town is a no town.
0: Why don't you explain what a no town means?
1: A no town means they don't allow for adult use <clears throat> retail or delivery. Um, so if they don't and actually if they don't allow for adult use retail, then they automatically cannot have products delivered to their town. So what it was was happened is the municipalities have decided for the private citizens what they can have delivered to their homes. However, as a private citizen, I can still go to whatever dispensary that I would want to, with no, with, you know, with no with no um, barriers. Um, and so we're asking, you know, for one to open the market to towns that, you know, that are no towns that we can deliver to. Um, like Julia, Julia mentioned, like there's a t- a bunch of towns between Worcester and Boston that are no towns that even though Kine Run is based in Hudson, they they cannot deliver to those towns. Um and
2: and so I, Shira, this is like more than half the towns in Massachusetts have banned cannabis delivery.
1: But the the citizens of those towns can go to whatever store they want. And so it's something that is crippling delivery, um is limits limiting you know how you know how much delivery can actually grow. Uh so we want that we want that revised as well. Um and, and other things. For example, you know, removing uh, the body camera requirements on on the transporter side of things. Uh, Julia has been a proponent of delivering to hotels. Uh, so, say for example, I'm out of state and I'm staying in a hotel, I can't have deliver. I can't have delivery, but I can't. I could have alcohol delivery. Um And so we we want to ha- you know remove those um, barriers to entry. And Julia, did I miss, did I miss anything?
2: No, I think, like, so, you know, this is about our addressable market and how strictly constrained it is and whether we're over, you know, we're kind of impinging on people's rights to access legal products in the state. So my, you know, I think Banned towns is going to be a lot harder and less realistic simply because of the municipal control in the state of Massachusetts but to deliver to commercial lodging specifically would allow us to participate in the tourist market that retail dispensaries, especially in the Boston area. I mean, this is now, we are now a weed tourism state, but delivery doesn't get to participate in that. We don't even get to be listed on the list of retailers um, in the state from the official regulator. So we're just looking for the same sort of market opportunity um, that other retailers have To, to Chris's point. It's great to open this set aside up to equity operators, um but we can't just be sent off a cliff. you know it this needs to be a profitable license. both licenses should have a profitability opportunity
1: and i and I think just just that I think there is a misconception um among maybe some people outside of the canvas space that if you're in the canvas space, you're making millions and millions of dollars um that is very, very far from the truth and May you know delivery companies are struggling but also many retailers are also struggling and what a lot of them are looking to do is like partner with delivery companies to offer delivery however even the smaller independent retailers cannot afford to partner with couriers because the cost is so high and so they don't even have an avenue to offer delivery to their customers um and so what you have is pretty much a market that's kind of pigeonholed um and it's you know it, it's It's time the experiment ends on the social equity applicants, you know we've seen it operate for a year we've seen you know we've seen the results Um, now it's time to actually you know apply some action um, and make make the license better.
0: Although what you're talking about, particularly with the no towns, I mean that's a huge deal, I mean when this ballot question was initially passed. One of the promises that was made is that municipalities would have a significant amount of local control to decide whether there was cannabis being sold, being cultivated, being manufactured in their communities. So, I mean, Julie, I know you brought this up. Wouldn't that be really undermining local control to allow cannabis delivery into a town when that town has said very clearly, we don't want to legalize cannabis and we don't want to welcome cannabis retailers or cultivators or manufacturers within our borders?
2: I mean, i'm from I'm born and re, born and bred and raised in Massachusetts, and this is a local control state. And <clears throat> would it undermine local control? Yes, but how is that local control determined, and does it represent the community? And that determination depends on the town, uh, whether that was simply a select board versus a ballot question, or you know, um, a town meeting question. So I guess, I guess the simple answer is yes, it would undermine this issue of local control, but that also raises questions about how that decision was made on behalf of that municipality, by whom uh, and in sort of what fashion and when, because this is also an evolving industry. And I think over the last close to 10 years now, since medical started, we've proven it raises property values. It revitalizes communities. It creates business opportunity. Um, so maybe it's, maybe we should leave room for evolution, uh, of thinking on whether or not, you know, towns, um, the citizens of certain towns should have access to this product.
1: And, and also just to jump in, the municipality should have no authority of over what a private citizen orders to their house. If I want diamonds ordered to my house, if, I mean, if some people for, they have, you know, um, medical, like, you know. Was, I want I want to I want to say like I mean you can have you can have you know things that will be considered drugs delivered to your house legally um you got like certain prescriptions delivered to your to your house and the municipality doesn't say you cannot do this it's something as a as a right you have as a private citizen if i wanted to have you know alcohol delivered to my house i can do so and you know no one's going to say no you can't it's it's a thing where you know we're treating cannabis different from other industries when it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be that way.
0: And we've got to wrap up soon, but I did want to ask about something else that Julia in particular mentioned. Do the hotel operators really want
2: their guests smoking weed in a hotel room? Well, that also takes a narrow-minded view of what it means to be a cannabis consumer. The answer is no, of course not. And we would never condone that, but you don't have to buy smoking products and you can find you know, a suitable place to consume those it, you know, it does raise more questions, but it also like to say no blanket sort of makes assumptions about the way both the hotel operators look at it and the way people will behave.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you can order liquor to your hotel room and get drunk and, you know, pass out, but the hotel doesn't say yes or no. I mean, again, people, people, people are going to make their own decisions and they, they should be allowed to do that, but that shouldn't affect what a business can or cannot do.
0: And you can learn more at commonwealthmagazine.org. Chris Fevery of Your Green Package and Julia Germain of Kind Run, thank you both so much for joining me on the podcast.